You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Dirt Radio, Organic, Friends of the Earth, Activism, Underground, Political Action, Necessary, Wind Farms, Indigenous Struggles, Land Rights, Anti-Nuclear, Nanotechnology, Climate Change, Coal Barons, Mining Magnates, Activists, Educating, Communities, Transforming, Communities, Mobilising a Sustainable Planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth, Friends of the Earth, Friends of the Earth, Dirt Radio. Good morning and welcome to Dirt Radio, Friends of the Earth show on 3CR. Megan with you this morning and I want to start by paying respects to elders both past, present and emerging from across the Kulin Nations where 3CR is broadcasting this morning via 855am. And I'd like to pay respects to the elders on the land from which you are listening which could be anywhere if you're tuned to 3cr.org.au slash streaming. Right across this great continent, this was and always will be Aboriginal land and sovereignty was never ceded. Now, there's no shortage of history being made this year, but on today's show we're going to do a bit of a throwback to September 11 in the year 2000. It's been 20 years since the S11 protests took place out front of the World Economic Forum that was held at the Crown Casino in Melbourne. We will be listening to tracks from Globalisation Unplugged, which is a 3CR compilation from the original reporting back at the S11 protests, and I will be also be playing you an interview that my co-host M. Gafer and I did last year with Dimity Hawkins, Cam Walker and Dave Kerrin talking about the S11 protests and what they were all about on the 45 Years of Creative Resistance, the retrospective herstory series about all things Friends of the Earth. So those interviews are coming up right after this community service announcement. You're listening to 3CR. We really are in unprecedented times and 3CR, as your local community broadcaster, is trying to do our part to minimise the spread of the coronavirus throughout the community. At the front of our minds is protecting the most marginalised and vulnerable, but we are still here. And we'll continue broadcasting 24 hours a day with radical alternative content throughout this period But things will sound a bit different. Some programmers will present their shows on the phone and we'll be finding creative ways to bring you our regular programming. So stay tuned, stay safe and be kind to each other. And I thought it was a bit symbolic that this meeting was taking place in a casino. It's about quarter past eight on this Monday, S11, September the 11th. It's pretty amazing, actually. I mean, not something that many activists would have seen in Melbourne before. Well, good morning. Uh, it's exciting to have this chance to talk about where this marketplace is going. We've got what must be about 2,000 people in the space under the Kingsway Bridge. And I repeat, Police. Police. Right. Yeah, mounted police that have just charged the crowd. What the hell are they talking about in terms of what is the globalisation problem? 
bit of a sit-down happening because we've got a police, uh, a police cars trying to get through. Oh, it has been a difficult day here in Melbourne. You're listening to Acting Up. It's 45 years of creative resistance, a Friends of the Earth history with Megan and M. And I'd like to reflect back on the S11 protests of 2000 and the impact that September 11 had on the anti-globalisation movement. So, Dimity, to start us off, could you tell us what was S11 and how did it all happen? So the S11 protests, it was actually a major protest that happened over three days, September 11, 12 and 13th in the year 2000. Um, and it was against the World Economic Forum. So the World Economic Forum had had um, set Melbourne at Crown Casino. I mean, uh, the irony, right? Um, at Crown Casino, um, they'd set their World Economic Forum meeting. And the year before that, in Seattle, there'd been a massive um, protest movement against the same meeting of, of, of world leaders and well, economic forum people. Um, in this in this thing, and so it came to Melbourne, and so there was a massive protest that was um, was coordinated here, um, largely from Melbourne, but it was really national in its scope. And there were different uh, blocks on the on the protest because it was decided that we would blockade the World Economic Forum, um, and so there were different areas taken by different groups. And Friends of the Earth had established a green block, um, so that was one one area that was. Um, was established by foe and uh, working in solidarity with all the other different blocks as well. Mm. So in terms of, you know, you said there was the Seattle protests the year before and it was about the World Economic Forum. What were some of the issues that were coming together in that time that the protest was focused on? It was largely around corporate globalisation. So the the corporations taking over all sorts of things that we still see today. It's the same conversation. I mean, the deja vu is quite enormous when I think back to it. You know, the the sorts of things that were being warned about with the World Economic Forum, the concerns that people had around corporate globalisation were phenomenal. So whether you're looking at indigenous um, groups losing their rights to their crops or you're looking at um, workers' rights and being taken away by the corporatization of um, and, and the overriding of union rules, as Dave was talking about earlier, taking away the solidarity principles, those sorts of things. Whether you're talking about that greater slice, you know, rather than um, living with the earth, living taking from the earth kind of mentality that major corporations have. So it was about all of that. That's how I would read it. What about you two? Would you read it to Finley? Yeah, uh, I would read it the same way. I, we each brought our own histories to those events and we saw, we, um, those of us who'd been involved in left unionism through the 80s and 90s viewed it through the prism of the deregistration and derecognition of the Builders Labourers Federation, mm-hmm. which was my union. So we were outlawed. Every six months, the police would be on the union gate checking your union ticket. If you had the wrong one, if you were in the BLF, you were sacked on the spot. There was a special BLF squad that that targeted us 24-7. We had hundreds of arrests over many, many years. That led us into the 90s in a period of the ACTU trying to put its stamp back on the union movement again, where where all of a sudden we were now all back in the family again. But it was Christmas and we're all blowing like cats. So (laughs) when, when 2000 hit... It hit with those of us coming from one side of that, where we had been 
blacklisted and our kids were telling police with warrants that we didn't live there anymore and the other side, some of whom had colluded in those events. Mm. So when we hit 2000, um, it was amazing just that we were there as a union movement but we marched down there and uh, Lee Hubbard was secretary at the time mm. and uh, Brian Boyd was the, was the uh, campaign's organiser and went on to become the Secretary of all. So all of the contradictions within S11 were apparent. So, for instance, there was a, a group of newly unionised workers in Crown Casino, some thousands of them, mm. who couldn't get out because of our blockade. And we couldn't find anyone to talk to because there was no quote-unquote leadership. Um, so in the end, we had to set up our own blockade and let them out uh, halfway through the second day. So, um, you know, that's okay. Those things are fine. The, the thing is, so long as we're friends and comrades, sometimes your friends are wrong, and that's okay. The, 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 the lesson from the past, especially coming through the BLF stuff, for me, was, was don't let that fact that sometimes your friends are wrong drive you apart. Mm. Or always find the way back in, because they're, A, they're temporary, but B, they're often the same side, uh, two sides of the same story. Does that make sense? Like, mm, absolutely. So, so those contradictions, it was important we lived through those, because if you look at IMARC, Mm. Very different. Learnt from those experiences. And when there was a union conference at IMARC, uh, an OHS, sorry, conference at IMARC, a lot of union people going into the OHS. So the IMARC and the unions met for, for weeks and, and worked out that, okay, we're mm. going to do this right. And, and everyone did. Yeah, great. I think we're seeing a lot of that in Hong Kong as well at the moment in terms of, you know, people with a lot of different values still coming together and having that unity, which is quite mm. inspiring. Cam, I'd love to hear your perspective on S11 too. I know you were involved with organising um, for FAUX S11. What was that like for you? I would fully agree with what's being said, um, and I guess the con- uh, you know the context was neoliberalism was in its absolute ascendancy. Mm-hmm. You know, back to the Margaret Thatcher days of greed is good and and Reagan. Um, it, it had just kept growing and growing, and it was manifesting through the the signing of these so-called free trade agreements. And free trade basically means free for corporates to do whatever they want, um, mm-hmm. and bad for everyone else. And I guess you know the. The, the iconic image of, of that era was the Maquiladoras, the free trade zones that were created under the North American Free Trade Agreement, which basically put all the factories south of the border from the United States into Mexico without unions, with absolutely repressive, you know, um, literally, you know, death squads working against anyone that dared to unionise, terrible levels of, of gendered violence and absolutely no environmental protection. So for us, that's what the neoliberalism meant in that era. Mm-hmm. And so we saw the need to uh, work with all the allies. And at, S, uh, at S11, at those protests, there were church groups, there were, you know, Quakers, there were old school communists, there was a basic, you know, there was young mm-hmm. kind of feral activists like everyone was there some of, some of us who were all of those at once <laughs> <laughs> and still are and um, you know we fa- as Dimity said we found ways to work together by you know having different blocks so there would be an anarchist block or a black block or a green block or a union block and sometimes we didn't all agree but that was okay but I think uh, the important thing to understand that w- w- there was a lot that went on under the water and we actually spent nine months nine very long months working with churches and unions and aid and development groups and basically getting everyone aligned even if in public we didn't all 
necessarily agree. We had agreements that we wouldn't cut across each other. And I think that's one of the highlights from the S11 uh, protest. There were thousands of people blockaded Crowd Casino, but in the build-up there was aid and development groups having conferences, churches and faith communities having events, and none of us contradicted each other. We were all possibly separate, but, but we also had a, a, a tacit understanding that the problem here was structural, and the structural problem was neoliberalism. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very, um, yeah, I guess, inspiring message to, to think about how we incorporate that into activism now as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was thinking you mentioned Seattle, and I've read Hope in the Dark recently, and Rachel Solnit kind of mm-hmm. talks about that time, and hearing from S11, it does seem like a bit of a, a like quite a, a, a breaking point or a shift. Do you, did you feel that at the time, that it was kind of a changing energy in that sort of space? I, I think I did at the time. I think it was a really vital um, moment where where that intersectionality really was writ large, like where the threat was writ large, where we were starting to understand that this was a new level of, of, of an agenda that had been going on for a while. You know, as, as was said before, you know, Margaret Thatcher's There's No Such Thing as Community or whatever that mm-hmm. quote was from her, you know, we were showing there was community and, oh, boy, were we doing it? Mm-hmm. You know, um, women speaking out, Indigenous voices being highlighted, all of this sort of thing happening throughout the whole um, process. I think that what is perhaps... In my mind, what happened was that this this global movement, um, and it was a globalization of sorts, this global movement then got corrupted by what happened the very next year, and in fact on that date, which yeah. was September 11, uh, 2001. And we then saw a massive shifting back. We were feeling this le- this level of progress, and this was in many areas. I was working on nuclear disarmament at the time. We felt really like in 2000 we were getting somewhere on nuclear disarmament. September 11, 2001 happened and bang, we were into a war on terror. We were into a whole, you know, you're either with us or against us. We were Mm -hmm. into a Mm -hmm. massive militarization again, which shut down and silenced so much of the progress that we were seeing on that. Mm -hmm. What I feel now is that that was never lost, actually. That although things had become we, that we were suppressed and oppressed in the in the war that followed the wars that followed, and the wars on society that were um, manufactured through what happened in September 11, 2001, the stuff that happened that year before still see, uh, still born through, and we're still seeing it now, and we're seeing new generations of people understanding. The complexities, the, the intersections between all of these different things, the ways in which these movements can work together. And I, I feel great hope for that because when I think back 20 years, which is almost 20 years ago that we were doing that, and I see what's happening now, I can see so many connections. There's a, it's like we're on a continuum. Mm, absolutely. And thanks for touching on kind of where we're at now. We are coming towards the end, but I thought maybe to wrap it up, I'm wondering, Cam, if you could maybe just reflect on how you feel like Friends of the Earth currently is campaigning around anti-globalisation or where we're at in terms of, you know, where we've been before. So compared to, for instance, the S11 protests, our network globally is bigger and it is active on every continent except Antarctica and um, it's got a very strong anti-neoliberalism approach. So we're actually doing more work, I'd suggest, um, on a day-to-day basis than we probably were then. I think a lot of our campaigning has come back to the local level. So in those days we used to do more thematic work such as, you know, tackling the questions of inequality and neoliberalism and how does it play out, whereas 
whereas now I think we do perhaps more traditional campaigning around environmental issues like inland rivers or forests or you know sustainable transport. Um, but I think that that underlying ethos and that underlying analysis that says the current system is not working for most people is still hardwired into the type of work that we do. Mm. And that brings us just about to the end of the show. It's been absolutely fabulous. I'm very sorry we're out of time. I would like to thank our guests today, Dave Karen, Dimity Hawkins and Cam Walker. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. We've got a bit of a sit-down happening because we've got a police, uh, two police cars trying to get through. Oh, it has been a difficult day here in Melbourne, not just for the World Economic Forum. <laughs> Silver while the wisdom has fallen as the clock winds tighter in material dawn. And good morning, you're listening to Monday Morning 3CR Breakfast with Andrew and Catherine. Um, today is the infamous S11 Day, um, which is basically nothing more infamous than a big protest that's occurring um, with various different members all throughout the community um, protesting against the World Economic Forum meeting in oh, Crown Casino in the city. transnational business forum that will not speak its own name, that hides behind a euphemism like World Economic Forum. This body's agenda, it is not the decision-making body the WTO is, but this body's agenda is to shift the WTO and member states and politicians further down the neoliberal road. Well, the World Trade Organisation is made up of governments. It was formed about five years ago, uh, so it's a relatively new organisation. And in theory, um, the, it's supposed to be a, a voting organisation for governments where they come together and make agreements about international trade. But in reality, um, it is not a democratic organisation. Davos, high up in the Swiss Alps, is not the centre of a global capitalist conspiracy to divide up the world. Davos is where the global elite meets under the umbrella of the World Economic Forum to iron out a rough consensus on how to ideologically confront and diffuse challenges to the system. All the meetings are closed. Um, they're not uh, open to the media or, or to the public. Um, there are no um, non-government community organisation observers. Uh, but business plays a very big role in lobbying these meetings, both attending because they have resources to attend um, and lobbying individual governments. The global structures that have been put in place under the name of globalization include the structural adjustment programs of the third world, launched by the World Bank and IMF, with the combination of liberalized imports, liberalized exports, change your logic from meeting your needs to selling luxury commodities for cheap and buying your basic needs for expensive on foreign exchange. It's about removing everything that people have gained through struggles over millennia, over centuries, rights to have security of work. It's all very glitzy and glamorous and affluent and everybody's stuffing themselves with sandwiches and so on. Because if you have a situation where your health, your transport, your education services, your tariff powers are all regulated by international treaties in a way that stops governments intervening, 
in the economy or intervening to ensure that people get decent goods and services and decent health, welfare and education. Then you have circumscribed the democratic political space at the parliamentary level, at the citizenship level and at the governmental level. This kind of idea of empty ecosystems, empty earths, empty life, empty agriculture, as long as it's not run by corporations, is the entire assumption of globalization. That there's nothing till the corporations enter. of the Earth Food Co-op is open. Get fresh produce and support local farmers and keep our grassroots community thriving through these unusual times. Organic veggie boxes and click and collect now available. Visit www.foefood.org slash click collect to place your orders. Or pop in store at 312 Smith Street and see how we're adapting with our new physical distancing layout. Shop organic and buy local. Made easy at Friends of the Earth. A proud 3CR supporter. You're back on 3CR. And today we have been taking a trip down memory lane all the way back to the year 2000 and the S11 protests out the front of the World Economic Forum. It has been 20 years since that historic protest and we've been reflecting with some original recordings uh, and compilations made by 3CR back in the year 2000 and also a an interview that was conducted as part of 45 Years of Creative Resistance, which was a retrospective history series uh, reflecting on Friends of the Earth's 45 Years of Campaigning. If you want to listen to Globalization Unplugged, you can go to 3cr.org.au slash s11 for the full CD, to stream the full CD. And if you're interested in hearing the rest of the uh, history show where we looked at the anti-capitalist um, principles and trade union connections that Friends of the Earth has had uh, over its history, so you can go back to 3cr.org.au slash acting up to listen back on any of our history programs. You do need to scroll back a few pages uh, because there has been lots of great acting up shows uh, produced under lockdown and in the meantime, since we finished the series. Uh, but go to 3cr.org.au slash acting up and scroll down to find any of our episodes on the 45 years of creative resistance. And that's just about all we have time for today. Just a little reminder that the Friends of the Earth Food Co-op is open for orders, click and collect, takeaway coffees, and if you do live within a range that you can visit Friends of the Earth at the moment, then supporting local farmers and supporting uh, organic growers and supporting your Friends of the Earth community is something you can do 
just simply by shopping at Friends of the Earth. All of our collective meetings are online and we also have a whole host of online events um, that you can watch back on or jump on the Facebook page and see what's coming up. Um, So get in touch via our website melbournefo.org.au or via our Facebook page to see all of the great things that are going on at the moment. So thank you again for listening to another episode of Dirt Radio and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. We've got the protesters standing strong in a solid bank and uh, they have, the horses haven't really moved them at all. And that's really part of the problem about this whole economic system that's been built that the fictions are being given the full support of all institutions of the world. The fiction of the corporation is the only one that has rights in today's world. Citizens don't have rights. So the blockade is working, it's been peaceful, but the message is getting through to the people up there in the Crown Casino right behind me that people power is arriving and they aren't in control. Uh, They never were elected. And we've got to get democratic control back into the way the world works. What has happened today in Melbourne is unjust, undemocratic, and, I repeat, uncivilized. Propaganda machine is really functioning against us, and we need to do the other kind of propaganda. We need to take to the streets. Where else can we go otherwise? We are locked out of many of these institutions. We are not allowed to participate in civil society. We do not have, we don't control the media and we don't have access to many of these institutions and in our own countries we battle every day in terms of getting more access to our government. So if that's the state of the world and civil society is no other alternative than to speak up in the best way we can. Both software and hardware are moving faster today, improving faster today than they ever have. Computers are not where the companies are making their money, it's in their software programs. And so you have intellectual property rights police created in Peru and in China to go into youth hostels to check whether the students are using shared software, I call it shared software, or they're using, according to what the corporations call, pirated software. If you have not bought an original copy from Microsoft, you are a pirate. Wesley College, right, they marched at the top of the uh, high school student rally on Monday. They themselves have their own group at Wesley College, and they've had a group now for four months or so with their own website. If you look at the uh, S11 homepage, you'll see it there, preparing for S11. These are students that we didn't come knocking on their door. They came knocking on the S11 door. Specifically for queer people, um, you can see how corporations influence and perpetuate homophobia and also benefit from its existence. Um, through the existence of the pink dollar and stuff like that, and also their immense um, influence over a lot of institutions in society like the media, like the education system, the legal system, um, that we have you know, a really homophobic society and that needs to be challenged at this kind of level. And as always with World Economic Forum events around the world, the discussions have been lively and they've been provocative. In that context, we are very disappointed that some 150 to 200 of our participants have been stranded at their hotels and unable to join us here at the Crown Complex. That's an abridgment of their rights and it's and it results from
Inside, you've got everyone in a dark gray suit. They talk to each other. They have no idea about how reality works because they never have to come in contact with it. They're so privileged that they can insulate themselves at every point from every consequence of their actions and decisions. And then outside, you've got all these amazing survivors, people surviving without jobs, people managing to find communication systems in spite of having no access. And then I think to myself, if only the privileged could listen a, lis listen a little more sensitively to the excluded, we have a chance for the world. After this morning, we'll have the Prime Minister of this country uh, and also the Premier of this state uh, coming out and um, giving um, a national um, a speech to the to the nation um, and saying that it was un-Victorian, un-Australian uh, and unrepresentative. Uh, couldn't be anything uh, less than that. It was people down there protesting for a common cause. Everybody in this country has a right to protest and they have a right to protest peacefully without the police uh, interfering with violence. And this protest has been determined on peace but has also been determined to make a point. And that doesn't mean being relegated to the footpath, it means stepping onto the pavement, as the suffragettes did, as the slavery abolitionists did, and as we are doing to make a point for a better future. So here we are. That is the power of self-interest. This is the sea of humanity. Thank you, everybody. And then there are others who insist they can't be wrong, and all the people protesting have to be now redefined as terrorists. It's happened in your country, it's happened in UK, it's happened in my country, and I'm sure anywhere where there's effective popular mobilization, there's a rewriting of terrorist laws to basically say people engaging in their fundamental rights to defend their fundamental rights on a new brand of terrorists. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.